right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's going on? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. It's a Friday. Friday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And we have... Coming up on the show today, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, is going to join the show to talk about all things KU basketball as the Jayhawks take on Texas tomorrow afternoon. Five o'clock tip. Pre-game coverage right here on KLWN will start at 3.30 for KU in Texas. Coming up at the four o'clock hour, lots of audio to get to. Bill Self sat down with the media yesterday. We'll get to that in the four o'clock hour. Earlier today, Holly Kerskeeter and Zakaya Franklin, along with head women's basketball coach Brandon Snyder, met with the media to talk about KU's big game coming up on Sunday against Kansas State. We're going to get to all of that in the 4 o'clock hour here on the show. And in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to our KU game picks. We're out early on RCST today at about 5.20-ish to step aside for coverage of high school basketball coming up tonight. It'll be LHS and Gardner coming up on KLWN with the LHS girls taking on Gardner at 5.30 and the boys shortly thereafter here on KLWN. So we'll switch over to high school basketball coverage coming up uh, after the show today. So a little bit of a shorter show on this Friday leading into the weekend. And, of course, off the top here, it is Kansas taking on Texas coming up tomorrow afternoon. 5 o'clock tip right here on KLWN. And Kansas... Got a bounce-back win against Oklahoma last Saturday. They got the week off. The idea was, oh, okay, great. Week off, you can get rested up. Kevin McCuller hopefully should allow this week off should really help him. <clears throat> Wrong. Bill Self said yesterday, Kevin McCuller not being able to do much this week. And he said yesterday afternoon that basically Thursday's practice, so yesterday's practice was going to determine whether or not he would play in this game against Texas. So that is certainly one of the uh, top storylines heading into this game, I think, for KU against the Longhorns is the fact that there's a possibility you might not have Kevin McCuller coming up in this game at Allen Fieldhouse. But it is back at home, right? And Kansas undefeated at home this season. You feel pretty confident about them playing at home. So when you look at Texas, this is an interesting Texas team and a Texas team that I think has a lot of talent. Uh, they are sitting at 17-9 and right now overall on the year. And in conference play, they are 6-7. and they have been the definition of kind of back and forth in conference play. In fact, their last six conference games have gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, most notably with their win against Kansas State uh, in Austin earlier this week back on Monday. So they've been uh, kind of back and forth. Now they get Kansas here on the road. Their final stretch of games features three really difficult road games. they got Kansas coming up uh, tomorrow, Texas Tech next Tuesday, and then they go at Baylor later on in March with their last two home games being Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. And this is a Texas team that right now they are in the NCAA tournament, but it's not a guarantee. And a win against Kansas here would certainly probably vault them into the tournament beyond at that point and really solidify them 
So they, they should be a pretty hungry team with a lot to play for. This will also be the last matchup between these two teams before Texas leaves for the SEC. So if you're Kansas, you got a chance in the span of a week to basically send off Oklahoma to the SEC with a loss and then send Texas off to the SEC with a loss as well. So that's something to keep an eye on or something to re- remember uh, as well. Uh, and when you look at Texas, in conference play, it's been Dylan DeSue who's been ma- the kind of the driving force for the Longhorns. Uh, he's been outstanding in conference play. They got the transfer as well, Max Avis, who's been really, really good also for them in conference play. And this is a team I think that's really kind of defined by that. They have Dil- they have Dylan DeSue down low, and then they have some small but really solid guards on the perimeter, right? Aismas is a smaller guard, uh, which you think I would think probably is a better matchup for Dewan Harris uh, on the outside. And then, of course, Tyrese Hunter, a guy that should be familiar for KU fans from Iowa State, now been at Texas, and a guy that Kansas was interested in. In fact, Bill Self said that KU pushed pretty hard for him when he left Iowa State, but he ends up uh, at Texas. And they also have Caden Shedrick, a transfer from Virginia, who's played a little bit of a smaller role for them this season. He's made 11 starts for them, plays about 18 minutes a game. So he's kind of their the big guy that would match up size-wise mostly with with uh, Hunter Dickinson. But Shedrick, he's had more been relegated to more of a smaller role, played just 12 minutes in the game against Kansas State uh, earlier this week, played a little bit more previously in some of the other games, uh, played 18 in a loss against Houston earlier in the season. So... He's a guy. I guess it'll. I guess it'll depend on how Texas wants to match up. And Bill Self commented earlier in the week that one of the first things that he looks at when scouting an opponent is how well their big guys shoot. So they're they're four and five men. Well, Desue, who Texas has been starting as at kind of that five spot, going with a a little bit of a smaller lineup, but their lineup that they've gone with lately has been uh, Desue kind of at that five, Dylan Mitchell. Is a six foot eight at the four, and then three small guards around him with with uh, Hunter Amos and Chendel Weaver is the other guy that's been getting the starts the past couple of games as well. Who is listed at uh, I believe six three, so another smaller guy that they have uh, on the perimeter. So it's they that's kind of how they've been playing, and I think that is an intriguing possible matchup for Kansas because. If Dylan DeSue is going to be playing at the five spot and matching up with Hunter Dickinson, that could cause KU some problems. Uh, DeSue in conference play, by the way, has been a really quality shooter from the outside. In fact, he's at 51% from three in conference play so far this season in 13 games. Almost 52% from three on really decent volume as well. Decent volume. He's been really, really good, averaging almost 19 points per game in conference play. And you flash back to the my immediate thought when I look at that number is flashback to the Yale game. The Yale game, uh, Yale had a guy who was a stretch five that could really shoot the ball well from three, and they really took advantage of that against Hunter Dickinson early. KU adjusted by throwing KJ Adams on him, and that really changed the nature of the game. So I wonder if that might be something that Kansas considers doing here because if Mitch, if DeSue is able to shoot that well from three, that could cause some problems for for Kansas defensively. And then you add on the fact that then there's a possibility you might not have Kevin McCuller either, which could really hurt your sort of base defense beyond that, right? And when you look at Dylan Mitchell, the other guy that's, that has started for Texas over the course of, of conference play 
in conference play, he's not a three-point shooter at all. He's in, he's not a three-point shooter at all. I think he's attempted two threes in all of conference play, actually. Uh, so that's that's not who he is. So, again, is that how you play it? Do you switch it up and do you say, okay, KJ, go guard DeSue? DeSue's listed at 6'9". So, you know, if you're KJ at 6'7", that's a matchup you can probably handle. So you almost have to wonder if that might be the game plan for Kansas on the defensive end. you know, Or does Texas want to try to use Shedrick Moore, who's a bigger guy, to match up with the, the physical size of Hunter Dickinson uh, down low, maybe on defense or whatnot. But Shedrick has not really been, again, he's been much more of a limited factor overall for Texas this season. So I think that's the area that I'm most curious about is Dylan DeSue, how Kansas approaches wanting to play him because he's been so good in conference play, leading Texas in scoring. Again, averaging almost 19 points per game. He's been great from three-point. Uh, Bill Self said yesterday that he thought that Dylan uh, Dylan DeSue had been the the best three perimeter shooting big man he's seen really so far uh, in conference play. And that's obviously high praise coming from a guy like Bill Self. So how does KU approach that defensively? Because... You look back at some of KU's ball screen defense. You go back to like the the OU game, and something to point out from the Oklahoma game. Julian uh, Strother, their Oklahoma, one of their one of their their big guys, who is kind of a shooter or likes to shoot. He got open a number of times for Oklahoma, just wasn't hitting. If that's to sue in this game against Texas against uh, Texas, and he is open, he might he's more apt to probably be hitting those shots. So. Uh, you look at DeSue's last five games. He he didn't really shoot many threes against Kansas State in their most recent game. But uh, outside of that, he's been pretty effective. He went 7 of 10 from three against Tech, against uh, West Virginia and scored 27 points in a, in a win that they had earlier on in the season uh, back on February 10th, so two weeks ago. Uh, he goes 7 of 10 from three and scores 27 points. That is obviously something you want to avoid if you're Kansas. So I think there that's going to be a main point of emphasis is how things will be handled in that area. And then, of course, beyond that, you don't want to put too much emphasis on DeSue because Texas does have some some fast guards, some fast small guards. And if Kevin McCuller is unable to play, this might be a situation where the matchup with Marco Jackson might not be that bad if, he, if Marco Jackson is going to be playing more in this game because he's smaller but can use his speed to stay in front of some guys. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Abe misses the other guy. Max Ace misses the other guy to be concerned about. Although he's been kind of quiet in Texas' last two games. Only scored seven points in their loss to Houston and only scored eight points in the win over Kansas State. But overall in conference play, he's averaging almost 17 points per game. 37% from three for him. And when you look at Texas as a whole, they have been a good three-point shooting team in conference play, I think largely buoyed by DeSue. Uh, at nearly 37% in conference play, that's third best in the conference. Their three-point defense has been terrible, though. Worse in the conference on three-point defense. The, but beyond their three-point defense, their overall defense is not really that bad. They don't do very well on the offense, uh, giving up rebounds on the offensive glass. So maybe that's another game where you, that's another situation where you look for Hunter Dickinson as a bigger body to have a chance to possibly uh, do some work on the glass for Kansas. But they're pretty solid at defending the twos. They have a decent block percentage. They are okay at forcing steals, not great. 
And on offense, they've been really effective. They've, they, their effective field goal percentage is top five in the, in the conference overall. Uh, and I think, again, largely from their three-point shooting. They've also been strong from the free-throw line, so they're not a team that you want to send to the line a ton. And they, you know, they have a top 30 offense, top 50 defense, pretty balanced team overall. When you look at them, big picture. Uh, but again, I think it comes down to DeSue and Abe Miss overall to try to, uh, to try to shut them down. Those are the two guys I think you need to be most concerned about. As uh, DeSue's been really, really good. He's at he's at 55% from three on the season in 60 attempts. But bear in mind, that's only in 17 games. He was uh, dealing with an injury earlier in the season. So he's putting up a good high volume of attempts. Abe Miss, by the way, has attempted nearly 200 threes at 37%. But after those two guys... You look at Tyrese Hunter in 25 games, he's only attempted 76 threes. That's not a ton. Uh, Ithiel Horton is the other guy to keep an eye on. He's been coming off the bench more lately. Uh, he's also at 76 threes at 37%. So they've been they've got some guys that could definitely get hot, which is concerning for Kansas because you saw the first half of the Oklahoma game, what happened. And, and again, I just go back to if you have Kevin McCuller not playing and – Instead, it's going to be El Marco Jackson and Nick Timberlake. I don't know how willing this coaching staff might be to try to make adjustments on the fly if things aren't really going well defensively because I think they would be concerned about making adjustments and then not being able to execute off of those and so on and so forth. So I do have some concern there, certainly. And this is a game that Kansas certainly is going to have to show up in. I think this is a talented Texas team. I know their record isn't anything to to really make much of at 17 and 9, but this is a pretty good team. Now, I will say Texas over the last couple of games, they have they've not been playing particularly well in their last two games. So they blow out West Virginia by almost 40. 94 to 58 2 weeks ago. But their last two games, they've been fairly unimpressive. They go to Houston, which is obviously a tough place to play. Kansas will be going there later on. And they lose by 21. And in that game, they don't shoot the ball very well. Dylan DeSue scored 16 points, but they didn't really get anything else. Uh, they got 11 points from uh, Shindle Weaver in that game, but Ace Smith was cold. Hunter was cold. Dylan Mitchell only scored three points in the game. Tough game against Houston. Sure, fine, whatever. They come back home. They play Kansas State. And if you watch that game, first of all, I'm sorry. It was just a, just a brutally ugly game in which uh, Kansas State, was hanging around but just couldn't score. Texas played a, a C game at best, I think. Again, you get 20 from DeSue, but nobody else really did anything beyond that. And that was and against Kansas State, Texas actually had one of their worst three-point shooting games in conference play. They were just 3 of 19 from 3 in the game uh, against Kansas State. So they didn't shoot the ball well from the perimeter, and it was kind of just a slugfest, ugly-it-up game against Kansas State in which uh, – they weren't particularly impressive. So their last two games have not been really anything to, to write home about. So I think that probably gives you a little bit of, uh, I don't know, I guess you can look at it from two ways. Maybe you think, okay, well, that's bad because that means they're probably going to be due to dial up a, a big game. Or maybe it's good because, okay, they haven't been playing very well here down the stretch. So maybe, maybe they, again, won't shoot the ball very well again against Kansas potentially. So... It's uh, it's it's going to be, I think, a tough game. I actually think this is going to be a close game. I, I think Texas is going to come in fired up looking for a big win. But, again, Allen Fieldhouse is worth a lot of points. So I think that will really help out Kansas 
in this game. And obviously the 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 lack of clarity on Kevin McCuller is makes this a bit of a, a difficult game to kind of pick. I think when you look at what Texas does does well the most, I think you have to zero in on on Dylan DeSue. I think he's the guy that could really, really wreck KU's game plan if he starts knocking down a lot of three point shots from the perimeter. Because again, I you know I go back to that Yale game. I think that's the game that really to me jumps out as possibly being a game where you see something similar. So, I wonder what KU's response would be. Switch KJ Adams, whatever. But KU switches so much, uh, it's it that could be a very interesting interesting aspect of this game. I think is to sue. Uh, in terms of for Kansas in this game, I think you look at Hunter Dickinson. If it is going to be to sue and Mitchell. Hunter Dickinson will have the size advantage and should be able to see the floor pretty well and and do his thing. Uh, Then it just comes down to Dewan Harris matching up against Amos, which I think Amos as a score is really good, but you you got to trust Dewan Harris there. And then with no Kevin, if no Kevin McCuller is the case, Johnny Furphy is the guy that I'm looking at. Is hey man, it's it's your time to shine, and he's coming off a strong game against Oklahoma in which he seemed to have found his three-point shooting stroke back. They're going to need him big time, I think, in this game if, uh, if Kevin McCuller can't go and really probably need to lead on him. I don't really know what to expect from K.J. Adams. He's been up and down. Uh, it sounds like this is going to be uh, more of an emotional game for K.J. because of the fact that he's from the area. Uh, he's really good friends with a couple of the guys on the Texas team, so this this game could mean a little bit more for him, uh, which obviously he's already normally an extremely juiced-up individual, and you figure he'll be even more fired up for this game against uh, against Texas but yeah with with no Kevin if that's the case I'm looking at Hunter Johnny and Dewan Harris as being the three guys they probably need to step up and uh, have a big impact in this game and then I guess whatever you can get off the bench from uh, El Marco slash Nick Timberlake if Kevin can't play I do think the question of who starts becomes a bit fascinating right do you do you go with Nick Timberlake who I think has gotten the nod a couple times in the past couple games where Kevin couldn't play or do you go with El Marco Jackson because you think he's got the speed on defense to stay in front of the smaller guards for Texas that'll be something interesting to find out I do think this is a game where Texas probably wants to spread the ball out and try to thin out this Kansas defense and make them run all over the court because if no Kevin McCuller is the case, also you can try to wear them out, try to get it, try to wear out this Kansas defense with not a lot of depth behind them. So I do like Kansas in the game. I just think Allen Fieldhouse is is too much to overcome, right? Even if Kevin McCuller doesn't play, I think Allen Fieldhouse is just too much to overcome. So I, I do like Kansas, but I, again, I do think this has the potential to be a close game because I think Texas is going to come in pretty fired up and try to get a marquee win that they need pretty badly to really solidify their tournament hopes and their tournament bid. And that would this would certainly check that box for Texas. So I would anticipate that they're going to be fired up and ready to go. Gustavo Fring, I mean, uh, <laughs> Rodney Terry, he'll be, I'm sure, ready to go <laughs> for these boys. But, uh, you know, I just think Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas, too much to overcome. So they're like Kansas, but again, I think Sioux has the potential to possibly wreck this game, really. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. But give me the Jayhawks per usual here at home at Allen Fieldhouse against Texas to send the Longhorns packing to the SEC with a loss. Send home Oklahoma or send off Oklahoma and Texas both to the SEC with some L's. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to see. Hopefully that'll be the case. 
Five o'clock tip for that game coming up tomorrow afternoon. Kansas and Texas pregame coverage will start at three thirty right here on KLWN, your original home for the Hawks. Coming up in about fifteen minutes from right now, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join the show here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. And in the four o'clock hour, we're going to get to some audio from Bill Self yesterday, from Brandon Schneider, Holly Kerskeeter, and Zakiya Franklin from t- earlier today talking about the, their game against Kansas State coming up in the Sunflower Showdown on Sunday. And also get to the KU, our KU game picks coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Out early for coverage of high school basketball uh, coming up at 5.30 with the LHS girls and LHS boys taking on Gardner. That's coming up later on after the show tonight here on KLWN. We'll take a timeout. The Kansas City Chiefs, they know their, they know their opponents in 2024. We'll get to that and some more Chiefs news Coming up on the other side, as I said, Brian Haney will then join us coming up as well, coming up in about 15 minutes. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Half past three here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, is going to join the show coming up in about 10 minutes from right now here on RCST. In the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to get to a lot of audio from Holly Kerskeeter, Zakiah Franklin, Brandon Schneider, head coach of the women's basketball team, and Bill Self as well. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, KU game picks in the 5 o'clock hour, out early for coverage of high school basketball coming up at 5.30 uh, here on KLWN. Uh, Some news from the Kansas City Chiefs. They know their opponents but not the way the schedule is built, but we have our opponents for the Chiefs coming up in 2024 as they will go for the three-peat. And they have their usual six AFC West opponents, the Broncos home and away, the Chargers home and away, and the Raiders. Which, by the way, Antonio Pierce, clown. Well, we know how to beat the Chiefs. No, you don't, idiot. Uh, Anyways, the rest of the schedule looks like this for the Chiefs. Their home games are Baltimore, Cincinnati, Houston, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. Uh, a couple things to point out there. Obviously, you get Baltimore and Cincinnati at home. Those should be two really, really exciting home games. The Texans also is a game that should be a lot of fun with C.J. Stroud coming to Arrowhead. And then the Saints, pff, probably going to be bad. Uh, the Bucks more than likely going to be without Mike Evans. They have they have a lot of question marks this offseason, so we'll see how what uh, they look like going into 2024-25. Uh, Uh, The away games for the Chiefs are the Atlanta Falcons, the Buffalo Bills. So Kansas City will go back to Orchard Park again after they ripped out the hearts and souls of the Bills last season in the playoffs. Have a chance to go back and do it again in the regular season. But we all know, we already know, I mean, listen, the Chiefs are already 0-1. That's a loss. They're going to lose to the Bills. Breaking news, I'm telling you, on February 23rd, 2024, the Chiefs are going to lose to the Buffalo Bills. telling you, book it. I went went to the future, I saw it happen. They're going to lose. And everyone's going to be like, oh, the Bills, oh, the Bills, 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 Bills. <clears throat> Idiots. And the Chiefs will beat them in the playoffs. Don't worry. I know the plot. Their other away games are the Panthers, bleh, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Niners. Those could be those last three could be tough. I mean, I think anytime you're on the road against the Steelers, it's, it's tough. The Steelers are a hard-nosed team. Going at the Niners in a Super Bowl rematch should be a lot of fun. And then you get the Browns. So the the two divisions that the that the Chiefs are playing, uh, besides the AFC West, is they get they're playing the AFC North teams. So Cincy, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh, and the and the NFC 
they're playing the South, which is kind of a break because you get the Panthers, Falcons, Bucks, and Saints. I mean, that's, you know, I guess I just said the Chiefs are 0 and 1. They're actually 4 and 1. They're 4 and 1 because they're going to win all those games. Uh, so that's their that's their opponents. Don't know the the schedule in terms of who and who they or when they play, but that's uh, their opponents. Another quick thing I wanted to get to about the Chiefs, and we may get into this more uh, on Monday or later in the, later next week. The salary cap is going to be increased by almost thirty million dollars going into the twenty twenty four season. That is huge news for the Chiefs, who may be in the market for signing somebody who's worth about thirty million dollars, and now suddenly they might have more a lot more money to do that with i.e. Chris Jones and or Legereus Sneed. So that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, 30 extra million dollars for one season, that might actually work to keep those guys. So that would be interesting, to say the least. Uh, so that's something we may dive into a little bit deeper later on uh, next week. But that's the Chiefs' opponents. And they're going to beat the, the Chiefs are going to beat the Raiders twice, by the way. You can carve that in stone as well. Chiefs, okay, they're 6-1. and one. They're 6-1. and one. They're going to beat the Raiders twice. They're going to beat all the NFC South teams. And they're going to lose to the Bills. I just told you they're six and one. There you go. They're six and one right now, and it's February of 2024. So, all right, Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, is going to join the show next here on RCST, and then we'll get to some audio in the four o'clock hour. That and more. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Nick Springer from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. And despite sitting in a studio all day, my body feels great thanks to Massage Envy. Their total body stretch services can help you stay loose and limber and clear your mind and help your body. Their total body stretch services are completely customizable. All you have to do is sit back, relax, and breathe deep while they help you through the guided stretches. So if you've been dealing with aches and pains, be sure to check out Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Olathe. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, and on this Friday, we are joined now by Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. You'll be able to hear him on the call tomorrow afternoon for KU and Texas. You also could have heard him on the call last Saturday for KU and Oklahoma. Uh, Brian, let's start there with KU. You know, they come back on the road. They were down late in the first half. They fight back to get that win against Oklahoma on the road. Did you get the sense maybe that just maybe even internally from the team's perspective to get a win like that away from Allen Fieldhouse maybe helped boost their confidence overall uh, after some of the struggles they'd had on the road earlier in the season? Yeah, I think it had to on some level. And particularly when you play as well defensively as Kansas did in the second half, they really built that comeback on the, the heels of great defense. I think about some of the early Whip and run, live ball, turnover, transition buckets they got from KJ and Johnny early in that second half that kind of sparked them. And then Oklahoma got tight. Oklahoma's depth issue set in. And next thing you know, the Sooners are shooting 4 of 22 for 18% in that second half. And so to see Kansas go out there and, as Bill Self says all the time, make another team play bad with their own intensity and, and to be able to impose their will a bit, something we haven't seen much of you know, over the last month or so because we've been dealing with our own depth issues. To see that, that felt like the Kansas basketball we all know and love, and we hope they can build upon that tomorrow. But I would caution fans as we get set to transition into the Texas game, don't look at that 6-7 and seven record the Longhorns have and, and think less of them. They're Top four players are just about as good as anybody's top four in the league, and we're going to see that firsthand tomorrow. So looking forward to a great test, and hopefully it's been a good week of 
rest and recuperation with a little bit of ball mixed in and a uh, chance to go out there and, and start stringing together you know, one win after another. Cause they're still a part of this league race. And the 11 a.m. game tomorrow in Waco between Houston and Baylor, go Bears, by the way, will have a big say on if we stay in this league race much longer. But uh, for now, we've got a couple of dominoes fall our way already this week on the heels of Saturday's win. Now we've got to go make some of our own breaks starting tomorrow night. Yeah, what do you think of the significance of the timing of this week off for Kansas? Right, they're actually they're actually I was looking at it, I believe they were the last team in the Big Twelve to have that week off or that week in between games. Uh, so it comes for them basically right at the end of, of of conference play essentially. But in terms of the timing of it, it seemed pretty significant to you. Did you get the same feel that this is this was a really good time for them to have that week to get ready for this final stretch push? Depends on how you look at it. If uh, the Big Twelve regular season title was your hope. Um, and obviously we have multiple hopes within our scope of goals, but uh, I don't think it was advantageous at all to come this late. I think it would have been better two weeks earlier, uh, more equidistance. You know, if you want to lump the 18 games into a 18 hole golf course, you take that breather between the front and back nine, right? And some teams did have their open date come a little bit closer to the middle than Kansas's after the 13th hole, so to speak. Imagine since you're you know, a big Kansas City Chiefs guy, you know, this would be the equivalent to having like a week 13 NFL bye. Well, it's good, I suppose. Uh, you know, if, if the main goal is being as fresh as you can be for the stretch run. But we went through a stretch the last three weeks where Kevin McCullough missed three out of five games. You could have used it in that window, certainly. We went through a stretch where Hunter Dickinson was playing on tired legs. Could have used it in that stretch. That's not making excuses. But you're the fourth show I've been on today that's asked me about the timing of this open date. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's fine. Uh, but could it have been a little better to break up the gauntlet of the Big 12 schedule for us? Yeah. Could it have been a lot better to help Kevin McCover in the midst of the bone boost he was dealing with? Instead of missing three out of five games in that stretch, maybe he only misses you know, two out of four games because we didn't play one of those dates. Certainly would have been better there. But I think at the end of the, the whole thing, you know, the biggest goal for this team obviously has been all along to play its best ball entering March. And so maybe you do like it with just five games on the flip side of it. But I, I don't think it was overly favorable if anybody's trying to pitch that narrative. Yeah, and kind of as you alluded to there with, with Kevin McCuller, he certainly is a factor if you're trying to get to March playing at the highest level. But it sounds like his, his injury continues to nag him a bit. I guess if he's limited or maybe unable to go against Texas coming up tomorrow, how important will it be, you think, for those other guys, Timberlake and Marco, to just try to step up and fill that void for Kansas at home? It's huge, and, and we've asked that question before, and, and you know, self-acknowledges the importance of those guys playing bigger minutes, but the, the bigger heavy lifting falls on the shoulders of being able to play more inside out, establishing Hunter early, getting that 20-16 and 16 version of Hunter that we saw on Saturday, having KJ be the great complimentary piece in the post, and having a guy like Furphy able to stretch the floor, uh, you know, with some outside shots and all that. We'll see. I've, I've not talked to Coach yet at the time of, of our conversation. We normally either tape a Saturday home game, pregame interview on a late Friday afternoon or early Saturday morning, so I can't tell you Kevin's status just yet. But certainly they're hopeful. They understand the importance of this game and staying in the league race. They understand the importance of this game and staying on the two-seed line for NCAA projections. And, and also, anybody with any bit of pride that was on last year's team remembers Texas beat Kansas by 36 combined points 
in a two-game stretch over the span of a week from Austin, Texas, to then the Big 12 tournament. And uh, that stung, man. That was not fun at all. So uh, we'd like to get back at them a little bit and settle the score there. And There's not many teams in America that have a winning streak against Kansas that's more than they've won the last game. In this case, they've won the last two, and Kansas would very much like to settle that score tomorrow night. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You look back, Kansas takes care of business against Oklahoma to send them back into the SEC. Now you have a chance to do the same thing with Texas here and what could be your last meeting in quite some time. Just, I guess, what do you think it would mean, really, to have the opportunity to say, hey, we sent both Oklahoma and Texas back into the SEC with losses within the span of a week, basically? I think that it would mean a lot to the fan base to be able to say that. I don't think Bill looks at it that way at all. But, yeah, I mean, as a proud Jayhawk grad and the kid that grew up in the Big 8 era, cheering against Oklahoma for all those years, and then the Big 12 era in the mid-90s up to now, you know, to be able to say that we swept OU in basketball and football, and then to be able to say that we you know, finished off the Texas series with a big basketball win, I'd certainly take pride in that. I think we all would. But I don't think Bill looks at it that way as much. And I think for him right now, it's just what do we got to do to keep this recent small amount of momentum building upward and projecting it forward and all of that, because as good as it felt last Saturday, riding home from Norman, you know, you could get that feeling right back if you lose on your home floor to Texas. And I think that, you know, this is a veteran team enough to know that you can't just expect home success because we're in the fog where Kansas has been perfect this year. It would be easy, I think, for some of the younger players to assume that, well, hey, we're 13 and 0 here. We're going to be fine. But let me tell you, Texas has the talent to be at the top of the league standings. They've just not been consistent. And BYU certainly can beat anybody if they're hitting from three, which they're very capable of doing. So these next two games are gigantic. And if you can sweep the homestand Saturday and Tuesday, you're right back in the thick of the league race, particularly if that Baylor upset of Houston happens tomorrow morning. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head, and I couldn't agree more with with you about Texas. I mean, this is a team that, on paper, talent-wise, definitely could be one of the top teams in the conference. I know they dealt with some injuries, and as you said, they've been inconsistent. But one guy in particular that I'm excited to see, I guess, or how, how things play out with him is, is, is Dylan DeSue. In conference play, he's been on a tear. I know Bill Self said that he's been one of the best perimeter shooting bigs he's seen. He's over 50% from three. You think about that matchup with Hunter Dickinson. What do you, what do you kind of expect to see maybe from Kansas on how they want to try to counter DeSue's efficiency and his ability to score uh, so far in conference play? Well, I, I think he's as big a threat as any. And I remember sitting in studio with you and Derek a year ago, and you asked me the question in 2023, if you could pluck any player off a big 12 opponent roster and put them on the KU roster, who would you take? And I absolutely said, Dylan when this guy's healthy, he can just, he can beat you at all three levels. Obviously shooting 55% from three as a big man is astounding, but he can catch 18 feet from the bucket, take two dribbles and, and throw one down on you. He's silky smooth with his mid-range finishes. He can score over both shoulders. He's just, to me, uh, a really imposing force that's just so smooth and fluid in his game. And, you know, he's got athletes around him like Dylan Mitchell, who's a former top 15 McDonald's All-American recruit who can do some of the dirtier work on the glass to where the suit doesn't have to be a rebound monster, but he can carve you up in the other way. So I think he's a real weapon. I'll be curious to see how Kansas' front court you know, handles the likes of, of Mitchell and DeSue collectively, uh, how guarding on the perimeter when he'll want to bring the five-man out on the floor to meet him 
looks and, and how Kansas is able to switch and, and contest and that kind of thing because, yeah, 55% from three on the season. His last two weeks he's been averaging 23 points a game and 51% from beyond the arc. He's been tremendous. And and then you got a 3,000 career point scorer, oh yeah, by the way, in Max A. Smith. And I get it, the bulk of that was at Oral Roberts, but he stepped into the Big 12 Conference and averaged 17 games. I mean, what a tremendous grad transfer that any team would love to have. I don't know if they had this fancy of that big man. Why couldn't we get that guy? Uh, but look at what he's done, and you got to tip your cap. Hunter, to me, has been a little bit less than what I thought he would be when he first transferred from Iowa State to Texas. But there have been a lot of mouths to feed the last two years on those two Texas teams, and he's been willing to defer a little bit more. But on any given night, he could rise up and go for 17 or 18 points, hit two or four threes, and put you in a hole. So, to me, those four right there are as good of a, a first four as just about anybody's got this side of Kansas. And so definitely very, very impressed with them. And then after that, there's a lot of similarities to the Kansas roster in terms of the lack of proven options behind their front four, the lack of productivity behind their front four. Yeah, you've got guys like Brock Cunningham who can come in and has proven to be more than capable in five years there. And I think uh, you know, there's other players that will – give you a little bit in the same ways that, uh, uh, you know, Nick Timberlake or, uh, you know, a Martha Jackson could do. But to me, much like Kansas, they get very thin and there's a bit of a fall off the cliff in terms of production after those first four guys. And so thankfully the Jayhawks have had a fifth man emerge in Johnny Furphy these last seven weeks or so, but they're very similarly constructed teams in that regard. And so to me, then you start splitting hairs in the matchup of coaches, and the home court advantage. And those are two decided advantages for Kansas, most definitely, when you talk about Bill Self's track record. So you hope that that's enough for Kansas to tilt the scales, but you're reminded of the athleticism and the way that Texas put it on you twice a year ago. They won't come in wide-eyed at all. They've had as much success as a program. as just about any Big 12 team in the Self era in Lawrence. So even though those were different teams and different players and different coaches, uh, the stage won't be too big tomorrow, you would not think. So hopefully Kansas comes out and can play from out in front, pops them in the mouth early. But uh, like you, I, I just have a lot of respect for this Texas team. And I've, I've kind of had this game circled, even though Texas has been in the middle of the Big 12 standings and at one point kind of toward the back end. You've known there's way too much talent on this team to just assume a Kansas win. So it's going to be a real dogfight tomorrow evening. Yeah, and you mentioned Johnny Furphy there. He's the guy that I wanted to hone in on because I feel like to some extent he could be the X factor in this game because you mentioned with, with Texas they could get hot from three, but Johnny Furphy feels like he's got his stroke back. How important do you think he could be in a game like this if it turns into a game where maybe you need some more perimeter shooting if you're Kansas? Oh, I think he's huge. And you know, the last time we were playing at home in a big game like this versus Baylor, I think you saw him – step up and in a matchup of there were three freshmen projected first round draft picks on the floor. And I thought at times he looked as good as any. Um, and, and obviously Walter wound up getting a few more numbers than, than uh, Johnny did that day. And Nisi's a different kind of player as a five man, but Johnny held his own and, and very much looked the part. And so I think if he goes up against length, like Dylan Mitchell who's a year older, but again, a guy that has that next level projectability, I think he'll go in confidently. But uh, to your point, has he gotten his stroke back? Tough to say. It was just one game in Norman. 
And I think the, the shooting slump days that he had, um, you know, for the better part of, of a week, maybe a week and a half, he wasn't healthy uh, physically in the midst of that. He was dealing with some illness. So hopefully we get him a hall pass there. But, yeah, he hit some big ones down in Norman with the three threes, and the junctures at which he hit them were huge. And so he's definitely a guy that provides that spark for Kansas, maybe as much as anybody can, until we get the – Kevin McCullough of November, December back. And hopefully that Kevin McCullough is able to return to that kind of form. But, uh, you know, the guy that's been laboring through the bone bruise and some shooting woes to go back to late January, that's a guy that, that uh, you know, is not nearly the same type of catalyst and, and offensive initiator and instigator that, that uh, we know he's capable of being. And that, and that means that Johnny Furphy has to carry more of the load if Kevin has another 4 for 14 type shooting day. But the good news is he's got a large enough sample size now to know that he absolutely belongs in this league. He absolutely deserves the ball in his hands in crunch time, and he's not afraid to step up in those big moments. And there may be a time or two tomorrow where he's called to do just that and have every confidence in the river. You mentioned Max Aismas earlier and, and him being, I think, kind of that second guy you'd circle on the scouting report outside of Dylan DeSue. Well, luckily for Kansas, they've got, you know, Dewan Harris, who could be the ultimate eraser of that position. What, what do you think you're most interested in about watching that matchup between Harris and Aismas? Well, it, it will be interesting. And, uh, and Dewan is obviously a, a premier defender, but he won't be exclusively locked on in as much as Kansas switches ball screens. And so there'll be times where. You know, he winds up on Tyrese Hunter. It'll be times where El Marco or somebody else has to step up and, and make a play. But, yeah, it's going to be fun to see him going back and forth. It's going to be fun to see if DeJuan can pick his pocket a time or two. I think what's been fun about Juan when he's at his best is he's forcing mistakes on the defensive end while limiting his own on the other. And that's what I loved about his line and Norman. I mean, you, you saw some great defensive plays, but then, most impressively, what was it, 7-0 on assist-to-turnover ratio that day? Yep. In a week now, I think that's what it was, yeah. So, yeah, he, he's one of those guys that I think over the last four weeks, really going back to uh, Ames, Iowa, and, and he said it to me in the pregame, he said, you know, I know I'm on this Bob Cousy list, but I haven't played as well this year as I played last year. I have another level I can get to. And my, oh, my, did he not go out and just immediately – take the elevator to that next level. And I think really, you know, going back to, to that late January admission on his part all the way through the Oklahoma game, you're talking about a stretch of about seven games where DeJuan's been excellent. And uh, so that, that to me, you know, starts with him as a facilitator and distributor, but defensively uh, it's going to be so important tomorrow too with the type of firepower Texas can throw at you. And Juan is one of those guys, as long as he gets a little bit of a breather each half, He's one of those guys that can expend a ton of energy on the defensive end and still be a really effective playmaker for you offensively. You can't run him into the ground at 39 minutes because he will show signs of wear, and, and I think that's where some of the mental mistakes, late-game turnovers at K-State, stuff like that happen from fatigue. But if he's getting spelled a little bit, he's a guy that can give you a really clean game on both ends of the court and a really impactful game on both ends as well. And I think that's what Kansas is going to need tomorrow in a matchup of some pretty premier guards. Because not just with A. Smith, but Hunter, you know, maybe on a different team in a, in a different kind of role, 
it could be an even more productive player than what we see at, at 11 a game in this junior season. I, I thought as a freshman he was going to be a big felt player of the year type guy by the time he was an upperclassman. He hasn't quite gotten there, but let me tell you, it's, it's in there for him to erupt. And so Aismith is, is far from the only um, you know, perimeter option that Kansas has to really lock in on tomorrow. He is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. You'll be able to hear him, as he said, tomorrow coming up against Texas. Pre-game coverage will start at 3.30 for a 5 o'clock tip. And, of course, you'll be able to hear Brian on the call there. Brian, appreciate your time as always, man. And before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller. Yeah, thanks as always, buddy. Appreciate you, Nick. You're doing a great job with the show. And big thanks to my man, Nate Miller. Uh, he'll do for you what he's done for so many in this community. Sit down, take a look at your investments. If you've got a portfolio already, we'll dive into that. If not, he'll help you build the most financially secure, stable, and sustainable future for you. He's one of the very best you could possibly sit down with here, and we highly recommend you do so at MillerRetirementGroup.com today. Good friend of mine. He's got a big philanthropic heart as well. He pours his money back into Lawrence causes. That's why I love this guy. So check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. Thanks, Nick. We'll see you next week, buddy, and uh, we'll get back to our normal day next week on Thursday. But hopefully by the next time we talk, two more Kansas home wins. Hopefully Baylor got that upset of Houston. And can we get some help against the Cyclones? Need a little bit of help. Will it be Oklahoma? Will it be BYU? Who's it going to be? Somebody's got to give us a little bit of help. And if that happens, Kansas will have a chance to control its own destiny when all may have felt lost even just a couple of weeks ago. Thanks so much, Brian. That was Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. One hour down, about an hour and a half to go. We're going to get to some Bill Self audio and more coming up next in the 4 o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Let's quickly get to some game picks here on RCST. Got a lot of audio to get to coming up this hour from Holly Kerskier and Zakiya Franklin from the KU women's basketball team, from Brandon Schneider, head coach of the KU women's basketball team. They've got a big game coming up on Sunday, the Sunflower Showdown against Kansas State. We're going to hear from them this hour, and also later on this hour we'll hear from Bill Self. He spoke with the media yesterday ahead of the game against Texas coming up tomorrow for KU on the men's side. And, of course, you can hear all those games right here on KLWN. The men's game on Saturday tomorrow will be at 5 o'clock. Pre-game coverage beginning at 3.30. And for the KU women on Sunday, it's a 1 o'clock tip for them against Kansas State with pre-game beginning at 12.45 for the KU women. Looking around at some of the uh, top games around the country on the men's side on in men's basketball, uh, a big game obviously early tomorrow as well, 11 a.m. tip, Houston at Baylor. And I'm I'm going with Houston in this game. I think Houston will probably get it done. I know Kansas fans don't want to hear that because a win for Houston, I think, in that game against Baylor all but locks up their chance to probably win the Big 12 because at that point, if you look at the rest of their schedule, they're probably not going to drop another game. And even if Kansas were to beat them in Houston, that would drop them to four losses if they don't lose another game uh, But leading up to that. So I will take Houston in that one. Uh, another big game, Duke is at Wake Forest. We talked with Graham Doran yesterday, and Graham Doran alluded to Wake Forest as being a team that's very interesting that could make the tournament potentially, but they're still very much on the bubble. A big win at home against Duke could go a long way for them. You know what? 
Screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Wake Forest here. Give me the Demon Deacons here. Why not in the ACC at home? I mean, ACC is a wild conference. You never know. Uh, I'll take Wake Forest at home. A big game in the SEC. Alabama is on the road against Kentucky. Kentucky feels like they need a get right game, right? I mean, they could be falling to a five or a six seed at this point in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I think they will get it done at home. I don't like picking Clown Perry, but I will go with him here against Alabama. So I'll pick Kentucky in that one. Although I don't feel particularly confident about it just because I don't like John Calipari. Uh, another game that maybe has some possible tournament implications is Villanova. They are at UConn. And UConn, obviously, they need, speaking of bounce backs, they need to bounce back after their loss against Creighton. Villanova sitting at 15-11. and 11. They are firmly on the bubble. Might make the NTA tournament, might not. Uh, I don't think they're going to get the job done on the road, though. I think UConn's too strong. I'll take uh, the Huskies in that one. I think they're going to bounce back. Looking at the rest of the Big 12, talked about Houston and Baylor. A couple other Big 12 games that could be pretty significant. Uh, you got Iowa State at home against West Virginia. West Virginia's been terrible this season. I think Iowa State will roll. Uh, if you're looking for a game for Iowa State to drop, I don't think it's this one against West Virginia. They should be fine going forward. Uh, number 25, BYU is at Kansas State. Of course, the Jayhawks will see BYU coming up on Tuesday. The thing with that is I would assume for BYU that they're probably just going to stay in the state of Kansas. I don't really think it's a lot of sense for them to – travel to Manhattan to play K-State, go back to Utah just to come back again in like a day to face uh, to face KU on the men's side. So I would think that they're probably going to be staying in Kansas uh, to, you know, get the, get the full experience of flyover country. Come on, BYU, get the full experience, you know. Uh, obviously, there's no mountains here, so sorry about that. But uh, you can get So they're in Manhattan first, so it's a bit unfortunate. You know, their first impressions of, of Kansas are going to be Manhattan bleh, compared to what they will be experiencing in Lawrence. So, yeah, I would assume that they're going to have to probably stick around because, like I said, they, they have K-State coming up tomorrow, and then they have KU on Tuesday. There's no way they're going back to Provo. So hopefully they get a, a positive experience in Kansas, but hopefully they get a negative experience in the game in Lawrence in which they lose. But, uh, yeah, so they're on the road against Kansas State coming up tomorrow, and I'm going to I'm gonna go with BYU in that one. I think BYU is, at this point, maybe more for real than people are willing to admit. You know, I think it's easy, especially early in the season, to be, like, to kind of fall in love with, like, the team that plays five out and only shoots threes, and it's like, oh, you know, they're fun, you know, whatever, they shoot a bunch of threes. But then I think over the course of a season, people will kind of get tired of that and think, okay, well, that team's that's not a real team that's going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And I don't know that they're going to do that either, but I do think they're real enough that they can go on the road and beat Kansas State. I think the, the wheels are falling off for Kansas State. would be a real tragedy. I mean, just a real shame, a real tragedy if those boys finished last in the conference. It would just be, oh, gosh, it would be a shame. Real, really, really tragic. I mean, just horrible. Just absolutely terrible if that were to happen. <laughs> so... Also, Cincinnati's at TCU, and gosh, you know, my takes with Cincinnati have, are starting to look not as great. You know, I thought they were a really tough team and a really physical team that could <clears throat> contend with a lot of teams in the conference, but they faded here. They lose against Oklahoma State. That's a brutal loss for them. I'll go TCU at home. I think TCU takes care of business. TCU is another team that, you know, they still need to win a couple games probably to, to have totally lock down their position in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and then Texas Tech, number 23 Texas Tech, is at UCF. And that's an interesting game. UCF is another team where, 
I was like, man, these 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 those guys might be sneaky, kind of decent, but I think they might just be sneaky, kind of bad, which is still, I guess, in some ways, better than maybe what my expectations were for UCF in their first year in the league. Uh, I thought they would be pretty terrible, so they've been, they've somehow been better than maybe I thought they might be, but simultaneously still kind of bad, I guess. Uh, they're at home against Texas Tech. I doubt they're going to sell it out for Texas Tech like they did for Kansas. I'll I'll take Texas Tech in that one on the road. Uh, and finally, Oklahoma is at Oklahoma State, uh, Bedlam. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this is the final Bedlam of the of of basketball for those two teams. And Oklahoma State's coming off a big win against Cincinnati. You know they're going to be jacked up. Oklahoma is still fighting for for tournament positioning. But you know what? Give me Oklahoma State. You know I I kind of wrote them off. Uh, I've written them off a couple times this past this season, and for good reason. They're the wor- one of the worst teams in the conference. But you know I thought maybe Mike Boynton might be done, but. Somehow, some way, they're scratching and clawing their way to a couple wins here late in the season. And give me the pokes again. Pistols firing, baby. Come on. Oklahoma State going to take down Oklahoma in Bedlam. It only, it, only, it only seems fitting that they would get a win in Bedlam to send Oklahoma off to the SEC. Uh, that's a look at some of the top games from around the country and in the Big 12 as well coming up for tomorrow. As I said, we got a lot of audio to get to coming up this hour. We'll hear from Holly Kerskeeter and Zakiah Franklin from the KU women's basketball team. We will hear from also Brandon Schneider, head coach of the women's basketball team. Later on this hour, we'll get to audio from Bill Self as well. He spoke yesterday ahead of the KU-Texas game. And we'll get to our KU game picks coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Out early for high school basketball coverage as well tonight for LHS and Gardner, so keep that in mind. Girls game tips off at 5.30, and the boys game will tip off shortly thereafter. More RCSD coming up next. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour here on Rock Talk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Out early for coverage of high school basketball coming up in about 20 minutes from right now. It'll be LHS taking on Gardner coming up at Lawrence High with the girls game tipping off around 5.30 and the boys game Shortly thereafter, myself and Craig Kershizer on the call for those games coming up in about uh, 25 minutes or so from right now. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow we'll have your coverage of KU men's basketball coming up against Texas. Pre-game at 3.30 and tip-off at 5 o'clock. And also, the women's basketball team has a big game coming up on Sunday afternoon in the Sunflower Showdown against Kansas State, a top-10 opponent. Jayhawks still fighting for a bid to the NCAA tournament. That game tips off at 1 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will start at 12.45 right here on KLWN. Right now, it's time to get to our KU game picks for this Kansas-Texas game coming up tomorrow afternoon. And line's not out for this game yet. Ken Palm has this as a six-point game for Kansas. Uh, you would assume that that probably factors in Kevin McCuller playing, I would think. Uh, so, I don't know. It could be a little bit closer, potentially, I guess, if Kevin McCuller ends up not playing. That was kind of the big story from yesterday. Bill Self mentioning that uh, it was unclear if Kevin was going to be able to play or not. He hadn't really done much. He basically said that practice yesterday would determine whether or not Kevin's going to play. And uh, obviously, we're not privy to that what's happening in practices. So, <clears throat> who knows at this point if Kevin will play. Uh, so, that is certainly a, a big sort of issue hanging over this game between Kansas and Texas. And when you look at Texas, Dylan DeSue has been really good in conference play. Uh, Max Amos has been really quality. They have Tyrese Hunter as well, Dylan Mitchell. They've got some really, really quality players. Uh, Bill Self called out Chendal Weaver as a guy to keep an eye on as well. When he spoke with me yesterday, I heard that audio earlier in the show. So this is a Texas team that I think definitely has the talent overall to compete with Kansas 
coming up tomorrow afternoon, especially if Kevin McCuller does not play, because then you're talking about uh, Nick Timberlake and Omarco Jackson and possibly Jamari McDowell trying to potentially fill in that void left by McCuller, which uh, which could be concerning overall. So it's an interesting matchup, to say the least. Kansas looking to defend their home court. When you look at Texas' remaining schedule, this is a team talked about it. They are sitting right now at 17-9. and They are in the tournament right now. They have, But they have road games coming up against Kansas, obviously, tomorrow. Then they go at Texas Tech on Tuesday. And then they finish up the season with Oklahoma State at home, Baylor on the road, and Oklahoma at home. So between Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor, if you're if you're Texas, you probably need to win at least one of those to really solidify yourself in the NCAA tournament, plus winning the other two home games against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. And I would think if Kevin McCuller is not playing, I understand a talent fieldhouse, but I would think if Kevin McCuller is not playing, this game, this game against Kansas may be your better opportunity, right? Because Texas Tech's going to be tough. Obviously, going to Baylor is going to be difficult as well. So I, I don't know. I'm curious. I, I think I expect Texas to come out fired up. I think Gustavo Fring is going to have the, I mean, uh, Rodney Terry is going to have the, the, the troops fired up and uh, ready to go for this game against Kansas. And at six points, uh, if that if that is, if that ends up being a line, I'm tempted to take Texas with the six points in that scenario uh, because, I, I don't know, if it's, it, again, it just hinges on Kevin McCuller, man. I mean, if he's unable to play or even if he's not able to play very much, I kind of like Kansas. But, again, then again, we've had this conversation how many points is Allen Fieldhouse worth? Well, it's usually worth a good amount, right? Usually worth usually worth a decent amount. So uh, <clears throat> it's a really, really tough position to be in uh, for trying to pick this game with the points. I, I do think in terms of prop bets, I don't have them out yet, obviously, but if Kevin McCuller is not playing, I love Johnny Furphy. Love Johnny Furphy if Kevin McCuller is not playing in this game. Also, sneaky, I kind of like DeWan Harris if Kevin McCuller ends up not playing as well. Uh, to score also. KJ Adams, I'm a little nervous about. Uh, you know, Hunter Dickinson, his number is going to be, you know, 19 or 18 and a half, whatever. And he probably will hit it, to be honest. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, those are kind of the, the props that I'm looking for the most. I think Furphy, I love. I really love Furphy if McCuller doesn't play. Even if McCuller does play, I might still be interested in a little Furphy sprinkle. I like his, I like uh, what he's got coming into this game against Texas. When you look at Texas, Talked about this earlier in the show. They are the worst three-point shooting team on defense in the conference. In conference-only play, they are giving up almost 37% from three in conference-only play. So that's music to ears if you are a Johnny Furphy lover because they feel like he should have a chance to maybe hit, get some open looks and knock down some threes. Overall, this Texas defense in conference, besides their three-point defense, they really are not that bad of a defense. Uh, their offensive rebound percentage is, is pretty high, so Kansas might have an edge on the boards as well. But I don't know. It's 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 kind of tough to to decide here what maybe where Kansas could attack. I mean, I think they'll have the advantage certainly on the arc with 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 Furphy, but obviously this is a Kansas team that doesn't take a lot of threes. So you're facing a team that's the worst in three point defense. But if you don't shoot a lot of threes, you're not going to be able to capitalize on that. In terms of points in this game, I would probably lean more towards the under uh, in this one, especially if Kevin does not play. Ken Palm has it as a 75-69 game, so that's, what, 144 points, I think. If my math is correct there, uh, which don't trust my math because I'm not very good at math. 
I would probably go under on that, to be honest. I, you know, I, I think Kansas, although if McCuller's not playing, that could negatively affect KU's defense, certainly, in this game and allow Texas possibly to maybe get hot from beyond the arc. But Texas, they've been a pretty good three-point shooting team in conference play. They're actually top 30 in the country in three-point shooting overall this season. They're the third-best three-point shooting team in conference play at 30, just under 37%. So even though they've been terrible on three-point defense, they've been pretty good on three-point offense. So that'll be something to keep an eye on here. But yeah, if it's six points, I'm tempted to take Texas. I, I don't see Kansas losing this game against uh, Texas, but I would take Texas with the six probably. Uh, and I'd probably go under on uh, on the overall total here for Kansas and Texas. Once again, that game tipping off 5 o'clock tomorrow, and you can hear it right here on KLWN. Pre-game coverage will begin at 3.30 with the Crimson and Blue Show leading into the tip-off of KU and Texas on your original home for the Hawks on KLWN. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the Longhorns plus the six. If it ends up being, I would take Texas down to five, I think. And if it's if it's less than if KU is less than five point favorites, I'm taking Kansas. But if they're five or plus, I would maybe take Texas. I think it'll, I think it'll be a close game. I think it really be it will be a close game. It's, certainly, if McCuller does not play, if he does play. I guess it'll just depend on how how effective he is. Um, you know, maybe maybe his impact is felt more on the defensive end. Maybe you get a game like Oklahoma where he's not efficient, but because of the fact that he he's strong on defense, I think maybe uh, that could help Kansas if he's able to play and and not be a liability. I guess on the defensive end, I don't know. You know, it kind of goes back to discussions we had earlier in the week about is a seventy percent Kevin McCuller still better than. Marco and Nick Timberlake and I think the answer could be yes if you're able to do more on defense and be more dynamic on defense versus uh, possibly that not being the case if you don't if the coaching staff doesn't necessarily trust those other guys to make the right decisions on defense so I don't know maybe a little bit of addition by subtraction if you're able to play Kevin McCuller but yeah definitely some concerns about uh, his status going into this game for Kansas like I said, I I mean it's Allen Fieldhouse, it's Kansas. I still think the Jayhawks are going to get a win regardless here, but I do think it could be a little sweaty down the stretch here. Uh, and Kansas and Texas has some shot makers, right? So I, I get the sense that they might be able to keep this game tighter than maybe Kansas fans want it to be. But I'll ride with Kansas overall. But again, I do think six points, five points, probably too much. I would look for Texas maybe in that scenario, but I still think Kansas will win this game uh, overall against the Longhorns. Uh, that's our KU game picks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Don't forget we are out early here. Just a few minutes left coming up before we switch over to high school basketball coverage with LHS and Gardner coming up. The girls game tipping off here at 530 and the boys game will tip off shortly thereafter. Later on in the evening, myself and Greg Hirschheiser on the call of those games coming up here on KLWN. And don't forget you can hear KU in Texas coming up tomorrow, 330 pregame for a 5 o'clock tip. KU and Texas right here on your original home for the Hawks on KLWN. You'll also be able to hear Kansas women's basketball on Sunday, pregame coverage at 1245 for a 1 o'clock tip between KU and K-State as the Jayhawks fight for an NCAA tournament bid. That'll do it for this edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk early for that high school basketball coverage. Thanks so much to Brian Haney for joining the show earlier today. And, of course, thanks so much to you for tuning in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. If you miss anything from today's show, including our KU and Texas preview earlier on in the show, you can check that out on the Best of RCST podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including at KUSports.com. 
presented by Massage Envy. We'll be back on Monday to break down KU and Texas and more here on Mock Jock Sports Talk. High school basketball coverage next. Well, that's it here on the podcast side here on the Best of RCSD podcast. Thanks so much for listening in. And, of course, if you do want to hear the full show, you can listen every day, 3 to 6, Monday through Friday, for Rock Chalk Sports Talk, your only daily KU-centric sports radio show that you'll find every day from 3 to 6 on KLWN. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thanks so much for listening to the Best of RCSD podcast presented by Massage Envy. You can also find us on KUSports.com as well. Be sure to check out the live show every day from 3 to 6 on KLWN. Thanks for listening.